So we're going to be looking, um, we'll start off in Hebrews chapter 11, and this was kind of the thing that I would like to do uh, during the time that I'll be teaching uh, this month while Pastor Rich is gone. These opportunities that I have before you, um, we're going to be home-based, if you will, in the book of Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews chapter 11. And as you guys turn there, as you know, uh, some of you may know that Hebrews chapter 11 is uh, been referred to as God's hall of faith, his hall of faith. Now, we have hall of fame in our society today, you know, hall of fame for the NFL football players, also professional baseball hall of fame and, and various things. And we recognize in our culture uh, guys uh, who have just been magnificent out on the field or out on the diamond and, and what they've been able to do, you know, by being an outstanding athlete. Uh, there's even a hall of fame for tennis, which is cool because I'm a tennis guy. Some of you may be. But God recognizes individuals for, in this chapter, for their faith. And what has always blown me away, and perhaps you too, is the people who are actually listed in this chapter as being those ones that make the, the cut, if you will, uh, for being listed for their faith. These individuals, there's 16, two of which are women. And it's like, some of them, it's no-brainer. And the one that we're looking at today, Noah, uh, we did part one of Noah uh, Thursday night. If you were here, you may remember um, we, we covered uh, chapter six of Genesis. We, we're calling that part one. We'll do part two today uh, and get the rest of the story for Noah. Um, Abraham and some others, no brainer. We understand that. What blows my mind is the people that do make it, that like Rahab, a, a Gentile prostitute makes the hall of faith. Do you guys ever wonder what in the world happened there? Well, we're going to look at that eventually, sometime this month, um, as we do. And it's just, it's cool to go back and look at the stories. So again, uh, Hebrews chapter 11, that's our home base. We're going to talk about what faith is, and then we'll, we'll get the, the story as to how does that translate to the people back in their day and why they were listed in this awesome chapter. Hebrews, a book that we're not really certain who the author is. There's a lot of uh, people that believe it could be Mark or Luke, excuse me. Uh, a lot of people believe it could be Paul based upon how he speaks uh, in his other epistles. A lot of those things line up. But ultimately, really, the author is God. God is the ultimate author. It's God talking to us. And the, he, the book of Hebrews was written to uh, Jews in the day, early Jew, Jewish believers who were tempted to go back into Judaism. They, they had this whole thing about faith and, and you know, uh, salvation and everything. It was really new to them. And so they would, they would hear the, the goings-on of the temple and the tabernacle, and they would hear the trumpets, and they would, they would smell the aroma of the sacrifices in the air, and they just felt like this obligation to go back into Judaism and into the Levitical law and, and to, to uh, overcome those or to uh, fulfill the, the Judaic uh, laws or Levitical law, if you will. And what Hebrews is saying is, no, don't go back to that. 
Don't go back to that because there's no more sacrifices that you can make. If you go back to that system or that idea or that thought process, you nullify everything that Jesus did on the cross. You wipe that out. You make that worth nothing. And we just celebrated communion. We just celebrated uh, an event that was, it, it's, it hinges of all time is what Jesus did on the cross for us. His body was broken, his blood was shed, and we celebrate that. No more sacrifices have to be made. He was the ultimate sacrifice. God sent his son. It's over. He said, it's finished. And we rejoice in that. And Hebrews is saying, guys, don't go back to the old ways. Otherwise, you nullify that. Well, then as we get into this chapter, we're looking at these individuals, and we're, we're going to talk about this thing called faith. Well, now, what is faith? And as we kind of uh, dis discovered what it was as we looked at uh, chapter 11 and we went through some of the scriptures Thursday night, we'll kind of refresh as we look there now, if you will. Verse 1, chapter 11 of Hebrews. Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. In other words, now, faith is the substance or the realization I have that word written above uh, substance. It's the realization of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. And you could actually add the word yet in the margins there after that. Not seen yet. And we'll see as we look at these examples, as we go through uh, back at the lives of these, these folks, these individuals, they were exercising faith because there were things and events that were going to be happening in their lives that they had not seen Yet, just like you and I today, you and I know that the Lord is working. And if, if you're a Christian here today, you're a believer, you, you know as you've walked with the Lord, um, you can look back and you see all the things that he has done in your life. Those things have come to fruition. You look back and you marvel and you, you thought, oh my goodness, whether it was your job, career, uh, events that unfolded with your family or, or whatever, you look back and you go, wow, there's no way in the world I could have done that. God did that. God orchestrated that. He put the right people at the right place to, to come into contact with me, and you put me at the right time at the right place, and all of those things happened because he was working. We look back and we see that, but what about the things that are in front of us, before us? That's where faith comes in. Things that have not been seen yet. And so I just want you to see that. Things that the Lord is working out in your lives. You, you know that he's working, but I'm like, oh, Lord, when will this end? Or how is this going to end? I'm not sure. I don't know. Lord, you do. You're in control. And that's what we rest on. That's what we fall back on is knowing if we don't know anything else at all. You know what we know? We know God's in control. He's in control, and he's got it. And he's bringing us through things, perhaps difficulties, trials, tribulations. He's bringing us through those things, and guess what? In his time, we'll see, and we will at that time know what it was that God's plan is for our lives in any type of dimension that you want to put that in. And that's comforting. It says there that evidence of things that have not been seen, verse 2, for by it the elders obtained a good testimony. By faith, we understand that the, word, the worlds were framed by the word of God, so that the things which are seen were not made of things which are visible. 
And then we get into a couple of uh, folks here, some, some people of faith that is mentioned. Our first one is Abel, verse 4. By faith, Abel offered to God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, through which he obtained witness that he was righteous. God testified of, this, of his gifts, and through it, he being dead, still speaks. Now we get into our second individual. By faith, Enoch was taken away so that he did not see death and was not found because God had taken him. For before he was taken, he had this testimony that he pleased God. We won't go back and get the full story of Enoch, but Enoch is a neat picture. We learned this Thursday night. Enoch was with the Lord, and then uh, he was here, and then all of a sudden he was not. He was taken. He was raptured, if you will. And what we discovered uh, Thursday night is that that is a picture of you and I, the believer, the Christian. We believe in a pre-tribulation rapture. And when you read the book of Revelation and you start to see those things unfold, you see this pattern all through Scripture. There really is no argument other than the fact this. The church will be raptured before the tribulation, and Enoch is our first picture of that. Enoch was there, he was walking, he pleased the Lord, and then the Lord took him. He raptured him up, just like we will be. But it was before the judgment, it was before the flood, the judgment of the world. God took him and raptured him up, and he was once there, and then he was not, walking with the Lord. That's a picture of us today. We will someday be raptured, someday very soon. And we've been talking to the junior high, high school about this and getting excited about it because we know the days are very short. Behold, I come quickly, Jesus says in Revelation chapter 22. I come quickly, and he said it three times. And then also in that chapter, he says, behold, these sayings are faithful and true. So just in case you didn't think it was true, God says it is. And so if God says it, I believe it, amen? They're faithful, they're true, and they will happen. And Jesus says, behold, I'm coming quickly. The days are short, folks. And if you're a Christian here today, you should be fired up and excited about that. I am, and I know you guys are too. We look forward to uh, the return of our Lord. And he will rapture us up just like all through Scripture you see this same pattern. And the judgment is yet to come on the world. At this time, Enoch was raptured up. Well, that gets us to our next guy. But first, look at verse 6. But without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. And we talked about that Thursday night. Are you diligently seeking him? Or is it a priority in your life? Is it the first thing that you do, the first thing uh, you want to do when you wake up before you start your day is seek the Lord and to see what he has for you. And it's not just every day, but just in your life in general. What would the Lord do in this situation? You know, the bracelet everyone wears. What would Jesus do? Well, what would he do? Are you caring enough to seek him and, and to find out what his heart would be on those types of issues, whatever they may be? Getting to... Verse 7, and here's our guy. By faith, Noah, being divinely warned of these things, not yet seen. There's that word, yet. Things that were going to happen, but they haven't happened yet. They haven't been seen yet. 
So by faith, Noah, being divinely warned of things not yet seen, moved with godly fear, prepared an ark for the saving of his household, by which he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness, which is according to faith. And that's what gets us to our story today. Second part of Noah. Jump back to the first book of the Bible with me, if you would. Genesis, and we'll pick it up in chapter 7. Thursday night we covered chapter 6, and what we learned was that as the population of man began to multiply on the earth, so did the intensity of wickedness and sin. So much to the point where man had sort of been contaminated at the beginning of that chapter. You can, you can read that for yourself. We covered it Thursday night. But mankind was sort of contaminated uh, in a way in which wickedness was just going uh, out of control. And finally, it had risen to the point that the violence, the, the wickedness, and the sin had risen to such a point that the Lord, actually it says there, that he regretted making man. And we thought, wow, that's very sobering. How sobering is that statement? He actually regretted making man. But, it said, but Noah found grace in the sight of the Lord. Grace. And we talked about that a moment ago, a little bit, but we talked about it Thursday night. Grace is something that you and I have that we don't deserve. It was something that was given to us, unmerited, unearned favor. We can't earn it. There's nothing that we've done that merits us getting it. It's undeserved, but God's given us grace and mercy, things that we get that we don't deserve. And then, you know, getting grace, something that we don't deserve. Noah found grace in the sight of the Lord. And so God gave Noah instructions. He says, listen. The sin of the world has risen to me. I look down and all I see is evil thought and evil intentions of man's heart continually, constantly. And it's got to go. It's basically a giant reset button, for, for lack of a better term. God was saying, I've got to start over. But you know what? I'm not going to destroy you, Noah, because I've, you've found grace in my sight. You are righteous. And you walk with God. You walk with me. He would be one that we would see that would diligently seek the Lord. How neat is that? A man of faith, divinely warned of things that had not been seen yet. Rain, we'll talk about that. What's that? To them, that rain, that, that's foreign to them at that time. It's not foreign to us. Amen? How many inches do you think we've gotten this year? <laughs> a lot, right? It's not foreign to us, but to them in those days, that, that had not been seen yet. And these things were coming, and the Lord said, I'm going to flood the world, and I'm going to kill everything that has breath, but I'm going to save you, and I'm going to save your family. And we'll talk a little bit more about that. That's key. But I'm going to destroy every living thing, and we're going to start this whole thing over, and we're going to start it over with you, but I'm going to save you and your family, but you got to do what I said, and it says there that Noah did all that he was instructed, all that he was instructed by the Lord, not just halfway or, I, yeah, I think this will work. No, he did everything that he was instructed to by the Lord. 
in the planning and the preparation, and we went over the dimensions of the ark and, and the levels and all of those things, which we won't get into today. But fascinating because what we found out in this this vessel of salvation, if you will, a way for Noah and his family to be saved in the coming judgment that was going to happen globally. Coming judgment, right? Enoch, we mentioned earlier, Enoch's a, a picture of us, you and me. And Enoch was raptured up, taken up to the Lord. He was there, and then boom, he was not. He was with the Lord, raptured up, a picture of you and me that happened before this judgment that we're about to read. Noah, people would say, well, see, Noah, Noah, yeah, he, he and his family, they went through the judgment. They went through the tribulation, so, so will we. No, no. We talked about this Thursday night. Noah is a picture of the Jewish nation going through this tribulation, but guess what? They're saved on the other side. That directly is a picture of Revelation chapter 7, how the 144, not one of them is missing. They all make it. They get saved through that too. That's what that's a picture of. So there's Enoch raptured up before this global uh, destruction and judgment coming. Noah and his family go through it over the top of it, if you will, but they do make it through to the other side, all saved, just like the Jewish nation will in Revelation chapter 7. Isn't that beautiful? That's cool how that unfolds for us. The pictures are there. It's very clear. Well, now, as we get to chapter 7, I believe we're kind of caught up. Let's take a moment and look there. Verse 1. Then the Lord said to Noah, Come into the ark, you and all your household, because I have seen that you are righteous before me in this generation. The first word of that statement, Jesus said, come. That's an invitation. And he says that all through scripture. Come ye who are uh, heavy laden and burdened, he says. Come to me. Come to me. And now he's saying the same thing. He says it to Noah. He says, come. Come, get, get on this vessel of salvation. He says, come into the ark, you and your household, because I've seen that you are righteous before me in this generation. And verse 2, and you shall take with you seven each of every clean animal, a male and his female, two each of animals that are unclean, a male and his female. Now, this is interesting because we've all sang the songs in Sunday school, you know, two by two came the animals. I don't remember the tune. Maybe, John, maybe you no, you want to come? No. Um, but, you know, they cut two by two and all the animals. But here it says, um, you know, you shall take with you seven each of clean animals, his ma male and his female, and two of the unclean. Why seven of the clean? Because Noah's a righteous man. Noah followed uh, the things of the Lord and sacrifices would still continue even on the ark. So if he only brought two of the clean, well, he would still be a man of the Lord. He's still doing what he, he knows he needs to do by doing uh, sacrifices and that sort of thing. Well, he, those animals would have become extinct. They wouldn't have survived because he would have sacrificed them. So bring some extras because we know during this time on the ark, you will be doing what you've always done, and that is what? Seeking the Lord and following uh, my precepts. And guess what? You, we know you're going to do that on the ark, and so he brought them for sacrifices. He brought extra. So seven of the clean, 
two of the unclean. In verse 3, also seven each of birds of the air, male and female, to keep the species alive on the face of all the earth. Verse 4, for after seven more days I will cause it to rain. What? Rain? Yes, rain on the earth, 40 days and 40 nights. And I will destroy from the face of the earth all living things that I have made. We're starting over. We're hitting the big reset button. You are going to be saved. You and your family, your whole household will be saved on this vessel of salvation that I've instructed you to create or to make. And you've done all that I've asked you to do. And you will be on here with the animals that I send to you. And judgment is going to come on the earth. I'm going to kill everything else, mankind, animals, all of these things. A couple of interesting things to point out here. Apparently, it took seven days for this to take place, for these animals to find their way. We talked about this Thursday night how, uh, in part one, how, how in the world would there be enough room for all these animals? And there's a lot of little things that could help out. One, if just the babies showed up, that would create some space and some room. Um, but also, too, it, it took seven days, apparently, for these animals to, to find their way to Noah and to the ark. And God can do anything he wants with whatever he wants, creation and the animal kingdom. This isn't hard for us to believe how these animals would finally find their way and migrate and get that signal. Bink. Oh, time to go this way. And they would find their way uh, to the ark, just like he did in the Garden of Eden. He brought the animals to Adam to be named. He didn't have to go hunt them down and round them up and do all that work. The Lord just did it. He just sent them. And he said here that I'm going to have it rain on the earth 40 days and 40 nights, and I will destroy the face of all living things on the earth that I have made. So 40, here's that number. God's into numbers. You guys know that. He's into numbers. We see that all through the scriptures. And 40, usually, especially when it's mentioned in the Old Testament, refers to judgment. It refers to judgment. It's a, it's a number of judgment, and here is no different. Um, the children of Israel wandered for 40 years. Uh, even in the New Testament, Jesus was tempted for 40 days. And here we see here that judgment is going to be, it's going to rain down judgment for 40 days on the earth. Now, we talked about it in uh, the previous chapter, chapter 6, how uh, the genealogies of man, how in the world was it, the world so populated? Well, it's because they were living 900 plus years and we talked about this Thursday night. How, how many kids could you have if you lived to be 900? And then you're still having kids, and then those kids are having kids, and then their kid, and then great, great, and great. I mean, pretty soon, it doesn't take very long before you have a global population, a world population uh, all around the world that pro probably rivals what we have today. And it's an indicator. What we've discovered is that it says there in the beginning of chapter 6 that as man began to multiply on the earth, the populations exploded, so did the crime, so did the violence and the sin. And we see a pretty good-sized population of our planet today, do we not? 7.5 billion is what I think I searched out. 7.5 billion people on this planet. And how's our crime rate? Look at the world around us today. 
It's no wonder we as believers, with the hope that God's given us and, uh, and knowing that Jesus is coming back, that we yearn for his return. Lord, come quickly. Come today. Uh, just like John said, hopefully that's the last time we ever have to pray for tithes and offerings because we'll be out of here. Praise the Lord. But should he tarry his coming, what do we do? We keep reading God's word. We keep seeking him diligently, just like you are this morning right now. Amen? So here it is. It's going to rain down for 40 days, and they lived 900 plus years in those days, and it's been, it's been thought about by many scientists and many Bible scholars that, you know, the canopy of the world, uh, this canopy of moisture around the world allowed that, that greenhouse effect for men to live that long. And for that canopy to fall completely, it took 40 days. That's how big that firmament must have been. 40 days for it to completely fall down. Well, it blocked UV rays. That's what kills us. UV rays is what kills us and limits our life to 80, 90 years. 103, Kirk Douglas, he just passed away. What a neat life. What a, what a long life, 103 and we read there, though, too, that Jesus or that God said that my spirit will not um, strive with man because he indeed is flesh. And so I'll limit his years to 120. So if you made it to 103, you, you're doing pretty good, right? But that's what, you know, the, the Lord has limited that now. We don't have 900-year-old guys walking around. Um, and, and so with this fall, with this judgment, came repercussions, and we see that. It took 40 days for this canopy to fall. And verse, I think, 5, and, and Noah did according to all that the Lord commanded him. Another reminder for us. He did everything God, com God commanded him to do. Verse 6, and Noah was 600 years old when the floodwaters were on the earth. So 600 years old. He would have benefited from that... Uh, ability or that greenhouse effect because he lived during that time. He would have benefited and had that long life. But 600 years old, out there um, cranking away, man, hammering, and, and you know, we talked about it. We didn't, they didn't have tools like we have today. I mean, this was a huge endeavor, folks, huge undertaking. You want to talk about faith? Hey, build this giant barge, and here are the dimensions, and it's got to have three levels, and all these animals are going to come, and it's going to take you a while because you don't have cranes and makitas and table saws and electricity and all that, so you've got all this work to do, right? And beginning before when God gave him the plans to start creating the ark was literally 20 years before his first son was even born, and yet Noah built rooms for his sons and his son's wives. Talk about faith, amen. Here's the dimensions, and here's the plans, and he started planning this whole thing. And then let's not even talk about the ridicule that he underwent during the war while the world was passing by, and he's building this giant structure. What is that? He's like, well, and, and he had 100 years to, to preach the gospel. He had 100 years to say, hey, judgment's coming. You guys in your evil ways, you guys in your sin, you are what's bringing this judgment. This is salvation right here. Oh, what are you talking about? Judgment's coming. And the ridicule, you could, have, you could imagine. I mean, I'm sure they set up camps and just watched him and, and yelled out things to him. I mean, the, the mind goes crazy thinking about these things. 
But you know, you want to talk about mercy. God gave a hundred years for people to get right. He gave a hundred years for people to hear the message and, and hear Noah as he's out there hammering away and sawing away and building. He was also evangelizing. He was also speaking truth. He was also talking to these folks during their ridicule. And the gospel was being taught. The message of salvation was being taught. Look, it's coming. Get right or get wet. And that's literally going to happen. Well, I don't know. His message must not have been well received because we're going to see who actually enters the ark. Verse 7. So Noah with his sons, his wife, and his sons' wives went into the ark because of the waters of the flood. Notice the order there. Noah with his sons, his wife, and his son's wife. Noah goes first. Noah enters. He leads. He's the leader of the family. Remember, we've talked about, it says even in Hebrews, but it also says here um, that it's, this is for you and your household. You know what we discovered Thursday night? And I think it's true for us as well. Even today, in our lives here, God is into saving households, not just individuals. And we see this pattern all through Scripture. He's into saving households. He, he doesn't just want the dad to be saved and, well, hopefully. No, it's for the whole household. And we see that picture right here. Noah led his family into this vessel of salvation. He goes first. He doesn't just say, hey, you guys go ahead. I'll catch up. I got some uh, tools to put away. And No. Come on, guys. Let's go. I'm going to lead the way. And guys... Husbands, fathers, dads, this speaks to us. Be the leader of your home, the leader of your family. Lead in devotions. Get them in the vessel of transportation to get them to church, to get them to this vessel of salvation, if you want to call it that, this, this building, this room right here. Guys, be the leader. Step up. Answer the call. Lead your families in devotions, and even communion in the home, and lead them here. And he says that Noah with his sons, his wife and his sons' wives, went into the ark. Now verse 8, of clean animals and of animals that are unclean, of birds and of everything that creeps on the earth. Two by two they went into the ark to Noah, male and female, as God had commanded Noah. So here come all the animals too. The animals make their way, um, and, you know, Noah didn't have to go out and round them up. They just kind of, and that must have been neat to see, like, oh, yeah, oh, there's the elephants. They made it. Oh, a couple donkeys, they, they showed up, you know, and, and this is all happening in front of them. And now the realization is beginning to unfold. Wow, this is really happening. For 100 years, I've been pounding on this thing. This barge, this giant thing, and I've been getting ridiculed and made fun of, and I've just kept following you, Lord. I kept doing all that you've commanded me to do in faith, but now, see, these are things that I hadn't seen yet, but now I'm starting to, the realization, because now animals are showing up. It's like, wow, Lord, this is really going to happen. And, and here they come, and, and now these guys and, and all of these things. And, and he he's, uh, you know, hears from the Lord, hey, come. 
come, come on up, come get into the ark. You, your, your wife, your sons, their wives, get up in here because judgment's coming and I want to save you because you are righteous in my sight. Beautiful. Now these animals, they didn't attack one another. You know, the, the lion probably went in right behind the gazelle, didn't care. You know, the, the cats weren't worried about the mice. The dogs weren't chasing. The, I mean, the, these, guys, these animals, they just, they came in, and just like the Lord said, they went to their place. There was places, and there was order for everything. Can God do that? Yeah. I mean, it's simple. It's, it's the animal kingdom. God can make anything happen. And he, he, didn't, he took that ferocity away from them. That, that desire for them to chase down or whatever, that wasn't there. And you know what? It's kind of funny because he does the same thing with you and I today. Here we come into this building, and it says there, turn with me. I want you to see this. 2 Corinthians 5.17. I'm going to make you work now. Flipping through our pages, 2 Corinthians 5.17. Second Corinthians 5.17, it says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. If you know Jesus today, you're a new creation. And you know that ferocious part of our flesh that we once would go after people and attack and 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 you know, ridicule and seek out. The Lord's doing a work in us. He is doing a work in us. And behold, those old things, no, they're old. They're passed away. If you know Christ, you're a new creation. And we come into this building, this vessel of salvation, if you will, and we don't hunt each other down. We're not scratching out each other's eyeballs. I'm not going for the throat, and you're not coming after mine. We come here, why? Because we want to see what the Lord has for us. This whole thing called faith, there's things going on, and we know the Lord's working. We know the Lord's working in this fellowship, but we also know that the Lord is working in our lives, and he's working on us, and I'm a new creation, and I'm not going to be looking for all the ugliness in you and, and pointing at you and seeking you out to attack you, and you're not doing that with me. The Lord has made a new creation here, and he's about to do a new creation in our text. These animals, the, the, Lord, the, the world is going to be destroyed as we knew it, and they would enter into a new creation. And we see that every single time we show up here. I mean, there's, I mean what, what do we have in common at the men's breakfast? That shouldn't happen. A bunch of us guys, I think 47 was the count uh, last uh, Saturday, I think, Guys from all different walks, from all different, you know, areas of their walk with the Lord. I mean, I don't have, what do I have in common with Dale? I don't, I don't fish. I mean, I would if I was invited. (laughs) 
But what do we have in common, really? We're two guys that show up. He, you know, we, what, what would we have in common if it wasn't for Christ? I wouldn't hang out with, the, with him, and he wouldn't hang out with me. And much so, I probably wouldn't hang out with most of the other guys, because what do we, ha- we don't have anything in common as the world sees it from their perspectives. Like, that, that's why it's a mystery to them. They, they look at that and go, what in the, why? And we can't wait for the next one. Because why? Because we're new creations. Those old things have passed away. And I didn't come here to attack him, and he didn't come here to attack me. And you aren't attacking others. And Why? Because this is something the world doesn't understand. We're new creations in Christ. And that's beautiful, folks. That's beautiful. And yeah, sometimes those things well up in our flesh here and there. And that's what the Lord says. Look, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to work on you. I'm doing a work. And you haven't seen the end result yet, and that's where faith comes in. But eventually, just like Noah is here, eventually the realization will be revealed to you. You'll see it. You'll realize, okay, Lord, okay, now I get it. Now I get what you were doing. I didn't see it then because I was looking through a glass darkly, as the scriptures tell us. But now I see clearly. And that's what Deuteronomy 29, 29 tells us. The things, uh, the things of the Lord um, belong to him. The secrets of the Lord belong to him. And sometimes he reveals in this life, and maybe he won't. We won't have some clarity on some things until we're in heaven with him. But sometimes he reveals that clarity to us, and we have it in front of us, and the realization happens, and we're like, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. What if we don't get that clarity? We just throw everything out the window? No, because we know someday he'll show us. Someday, either in this life or in heaven with him. Beautiful. Well, we're moving on. Verse 10. And it came to pass after seven days that the waters of the flood were on the earth. And in the 600th year of Noah's life, in the second month, and the 17th day of the month, on that day all the foundations of the great deep were broken up, and the windows of heaven were opened. So it wasn't just the firmament falling. It wasn't just the rain itself. It also indicates here in scripture that the foundations of the very deep, there was actually water from deep in the ocean that actually welled out as well to help with this flood. And verse 12, and the rain was on the earth 40 days and 40 nights. And on the very same day, Noah and Noah's sons Shem, Ham, and Japheth. And Noah's wife and the three wives of his sons with them entered the ark. They and every beast after its kind, all cattle after their kind, every creeping thing that creeps on the earth after its kind, and every bird after its kind, and every uh, bird of every sort. In verse 15, and they went into the ark to Noah, two by two, of all flesh in which is the breath of life. So those that entered, male and female, of all flesh, went in as God had commanded him, and the Lord shut him in. Uh, During the uh, instructions of building this ark, this giant barge, if you will, this vessel of salvation, um, Noah was to put a door in the side, but he was also to put a window up at top, right? And it's cool because the Lord shut him in. 
The Lord shut him and his family in. The Lord secured this door. Noah didn't have to worry about it. Gosh, did I, did, is it tight? Did I, did I get all the latches? Did I, did I batten that thing down? He didn't have to, no, God took care of it. God secured him in to salvation. He does that with you and me. You are secure in your faith. You are secure in your faith. If you with a pure heart said, Lord, save me, it comes down to two words. Sometimes people think uh, the guy on the, the thief on the cross, Lord, remember me when you enter into your father's kingdom. Well, that's too many words. It can come down to two. As Peter said, Lord, save me as he was sinking, right? Did you have that realization that you were a sinner and you needed Christ as your Savior at one time, and you, you had the Holy Spirit tugging on you and saying, I'm here. I'm just waiting for you to invite me. I'm just waiting for you to choose me because I love you. I sent my son to die for you. And that realization happened because you realized, wow, I am a sinner. I need saved. And you, in your realization, you realize that you, you said, Lord, come into my heart, save me. And you did that and you were saved. And guess what? You are secure in that. The Lord has closed you up. He has shut you in. And he says, no one can snatch you out of my hand. Is that comforting? I think so. He has secured you in the faith. And he secured Noah and his wife and his, his sons and their wives, he secured them in. He shut the door. The Lord shut him in. Verse 17, now the flood was on the earth 40 days. The waters increased and lifted up the ark, and it rose high above the earth. There are some scoffers out there that say, well, yeah, no. It, it, the flood, I mean, there was a flood, but it was kind of limited to just that area. And, and so, you know, it, but yeah, I mean, it flooded, but it, it wasn't like a global catastrophic event. No, not true. No, the firmament didn't just fall in that area in Mesopotamia. It fell globally, okay? And the waters rose above all of the earth, above all the mountains. It's believed to, you know, people have wondered about this, and it's believed that there were no mountain ranges per se like the Andes and the Himalayas and the Rockies at that time, but there were hills and mountains, and it says here that the waters rose above all of the earth. Verse 18, the waters prevailed and greatly increased on the earth, and the ark moved about on the surface of the waters. And the waters prevailed exceedingly on the earth, and all the hills under the whole heaven were covered. And the waters prevailed 15 cubits upward, and the mountains were covered. So I think it lays it out for us. If there was a flood just in the local area there, then why didn't God just tell Noah, hey, leave the area? Hey, just, you just journey and get, get out of here because I'm going to destroy this one area. No, that's not true. Every hill, every mountain known in that day was covered by water completely. That was one catastrophic event that took place, and we know that. And as we have seen that, you know, mountain, mountain ranges rose up, the depths of the ocean, the, floor, the ocean floors sank in, uh, runoff was created. That's how the Grand Canyon was created. It was one catastrophic event. 
fossils have, of, of fish that were only saltwater fish are found in N Nebraska. Animals that should not have been there got there because of the flood. And evolutionists and, and certain secular scientists don't want to believe that. But it's fact. They can't explain it. Well, yeah, it's an anomaly. No, it's not. No, it isn't. This was a global event that took place. The whole earth was covered. Verse 20, the waters prevailed 15 cubits. We read that. Verse 21, and all flesh died that moved on the earth, birds and cattle and beasts and every creeping thing that creeps on the earth and every man. All in whose nostrils was the breath of the spirit of life, all that was on dry land died. So he destroyed all living things that were on the face of the ground, both man and cattle, creeping thing and bird of the air. They were destroyed from the earth. Only Noah and those who were with him in the ark remained alive. And the waters prevailed on the earth 150 days. Everything died. Everything died. God destroyed all of that except the ones that were righteous, except the ones, Noah, the leader of his family. He was saved with his household. He did all that the Lord asked him to do. The animals that were sent there two by two by God, they lived, but everything else wiped out. And one might go, what a mean God. Man, God's mean. I mean, why, why would he do that? So, so heartless God is. No, the exact opposite is true. How merciful he is. As we mentioned earlier, a hundred years he delayed. A hundred years he delayed this judgment. And then right before the very eyes of the people... I mean, if you can't see that as plain as day and hear the message that Noah was saying, if you didn't get it, then that was on them. They refused to see the truth. They refused to hear the truth until one day. What's that? Did you guys feel what? What is this stuff? Water? What, what? Oh, no. Uh-oh. <laughs> Everything he said. Wait, he said this was going to. Did he say that was going to happen? He did, he did. Oh, and we made fun. And now it's getting intensified. Now it's really going to start raining. And hey, where's Noah? We want to ask him. Wait. Oh, he's already in that thing. Well, come on. Let's, let's go on up there. We're going to. How do you get in? Where's the door? Well, it's right there, but how do you, you can't, can't open that. Uh-oh. Too late. Too late. Too late to, to get in on that salvation thing that Noah was trying to tell us about, and the scoffing, and the world, and the view that they had, and all those things, and all of a sudden, they realize, uh-oh, it's too late. Could you imagine being inside the ark? hearing rain hit the roof. 
You ever laid in bed at night in those really bad storms and you go, wow, I hope my roof holds up? I find shingles in my yard all the time when I'm mowing. And I go, uh-oh, new roof time. Noah and his family hearing this, and they're experiencing judgment. Not on them. They feel the effects around them, surrounding them. They, they feel and sense the effects of the judgment coming down. But could you imagine, do you think they heard the screams? People frantically coming and, and banging on the side of the ark and just, let us in. Okay, okay, you were right, we were wrong. Just, just let us in. Send us a rope. Something. And yet that was not to be. They had a hundred years. They had their opportunity. God, in his mercy and his grace, delayed this judgment. And what did they do with that time? What did they do with the message? It seems very clear that they rejected it. It's sobering, folks. And the reason why it's sobering is because we kind of find ourselves in that situation today as believers. We're not in the tribulation because as once the world was destroyed by water, it will never be destroyed by water again. We have that promise, the rainbow that God gave. But someday it will be destroyed by fire. And that's very clear to us in the scriptures and in Revelation. And you and I are Noah's. We are spreading the gospel. We are saying, listen, salvation is here. Salvation is free. It's before you. You see it. I mean, why do we show up on Saturday mornings with a bunch of guys that I don't have anything in common with? That is not the world's way of doing things. That is a supernatural thing. And when you're here, you feel that. Ladies, same thing with you. When you guys, when you ladies gather, it's supernatural. You know, it's like, what do you guys all have in common? This is a wonderful, beautiful thing that we get to partake in. This, this, this time that we meet, salvation. We realize and we, we marvel that God would send his son, Jesus. The thing he only had one of, and he, he willingly gave it, and Jesus willingly came and died on that cross, had his, his, his body broken and his blood spilt for you and for me. There is no other sacrifice. Hebrews tells us that. And we have accepted that. We've chosen the Lord and the things of him. And now we're going through this life and we're seeing the things around us. And yeah, we're learning. We're, we're stepping out in faith because there's things that are happening that we haven't seen the end of it yet. But we realize that it's, it's there. And we're spreading the gospel because that's what Jesus told us to do. Go into the utmost parts of the world and spread this gospel, this good news. Noah had good news. Hey, anyone who wants to get right, we probably join me here. No. And he endured the scoffing. And you and I, we, feel, we find ourselves enduring that too. But salvation is here. God would that all flesh, all men, all women would come to the saving grace and knowledge of him. That's his heart. What do people do with that message? They either receive that truth or they do not. And folks, the encouragement is keep preaching the gospel. Keep preaching the gospel because Jesus is coming back. He is. 
He said it three times. I'm coming back quickly. He says it three times in Revelation 22. That's important. People say things once, okay, twice, well, and then three times. And when Jesus says it, those are red letters. I believe that. He's coming back quickly, and he's coming back for his church, and we, like Enoch, are going to be raptured out, and what's going to be left behind is horrific things, Revelation 6 through 19. You can read that for yourself if you haven't already. We don't want people to go through that. I'm sure Noah did not want all these people to to go through what was coming, even though he didn't grasp completely and clearly, seeing through a glass darkly through faith, knowing that they were pending. I'm sure his heart wasn't that, like, kill all these people. He did his part. He did all that the Lord commanded him, and he preached the gospel, and he shared, but he was still doing what the Lord commanded him to do, and that's you and, uh, you and I today. Jesus died for you. He wants you to spend eternity with him. And so today, if there's anyone here and you're sitting here and you're listening to this and you're not quite sure what that all means, what is salvation, we'd love to pray for you afterwards. Please don't leave this vessel of salvation today, however you made it here. Don't leave today and not have that settled in your heart. I want to pray with you. John wants to pray with you. Folks, salvation, he's coming back quickly. Don't miss that boat. Be on that, that vessel be raptured. Don't be left behind because if you don't believe the truth today, what in the world makes you think you're going to believe during those days? Get it settled today. And we're up here for prayer for salvation. If anyone doesn't know the Lord, you have not asked Christ into your heart, we're up here for that. But we're also up here for anything else you want prayer for, for healing, For anything else going on in your life, you just want hands to be laid upon you and and you want prayed for, come on up. There will be guys up here ready to receive you and would love to pray for you. But get it settled in your heart today. Don't leave today. Today is the day of salvation. You're closer, for those of you who have asked the Lord, you're closer to your salvation today than you were yesterday, than you were before I started talking. Amen.